Our scripture reading this morning will be from 2 Peter, verses 3 to 11. If you want to follow along in your Bibles, it will not be up front. Um, so just either follow along in the Bibles or just listen. So 2 Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ but if anyone does not have them he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we have acknowledged there are many open houses happening, and one of the things that you consistently see at each one of them is a display of pictures. And uh, the display shows the differences between those childhood years and how you got from one, two, and three years old to suddenly 18 years old. It's a picture of the progress and the years, it's a time lapse, if you will, of one's life. In my house where I grew up, it's torn down now, it's long gone. But between the kitchen, where you could always find my mom, and the living room, there were these two doors that, it was a doorway, but no door. It was just an open arch. And on one of those arches, there were a lot of pencil marks and some names. And you know what it was showing. It had names of the kids and it had what age they were and it showed how tall they were. And, you know, my name was on there and, and I remember, you know, every year or so we would go over and do the measurement and make the little pencil mark and so there you can actually see, it's a, it's a word picture of how one continues to grow. I don't know how one can take a time-lapse picture or an example like that and measure. I don't know of anybody that has actually had those marks on a wall somewhere for one's spiritual development and growth. It's hard to measure that, isn't it? It's... Uh, difficult to to think about it's easy to to measure how tall one is 
but it's not as easy, easy to measure something that is developing within. That's what we want to talk about, and that's what Paul Peter was talking about in this passage. And it's particularly significant because Peter was the one that struggled making mistakes the most, prominently at least. Maybe the others did as much, but Peter's mistakes and his overzealousness and his desire to, to shape life into the way that he wanted it to be for Jesus was constantly on display, and he struggled with it. I want to encourage you this morning to think about some of the things that can shape and focus your life. And this isn't a commencement address, but it really is in some ways a commencement message to all of us. From wherever we are, can we, will we be willing to still grow to the next stage or to a greater understanding or to a, to a, a greater ability to be able to honor God and, and, and serve God and use our gifts, our abilities for God's service and for the, the work of the, of the church and the work of God's kingdom. There are many ways that we can talk about this spiritual growth. We, we see that Peter is focused on the application of math in relation to graduation at any level and growing in the faith. Now, before we get to addition and multiplication... Let's talk about subtraction. I want to, you to turn, if you have your Bibles, to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Short passage. Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with race the per perseverance, uh, with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and per perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Notice he is talking about what you subtract. From your life. Throw off everything. For a runner you know that it gets harder and harder. If you're carrying weight. And it is difficult to run. Um, there are some who actually train. With those ankle weights. Around their ankles. That's pretty intense training. And it's pretty hard. But basically we're called here. In this passage. To subtract the things of our life that encumber us, that block us, that inhibit us, that keep us from being able to run free and live for the cause of Jesus Christ. Now, what, you, what Wes did not read, because I didn't ask him to, but if you still have your finger in the uh, passage of 2 Peter, notice that verse 2 before the passage where he started at verse 3, verse 2 says this, may the grace and peace, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. 
So here's a call to actually do multiplication. I know if any of you were like me, I'm really sorry Doug couldn't be here to hear this, but I was terrible in math and I hated math. And I still would, I, I got into Algebra 1 uh, in, in my first year of high school and now they're doing it in, I don't know, first grade. I don't know. What, what. It's ridiculous how young. Uh, I can honestly tell you that I never really understood or got hardly anything the entire course of Algebra 1. But I do know, and I was actually pretty good at adding, subtracting, and multiplying. But that sort of hit a, hit a wall with the, uh, the algebra and more advanced stuff. But I do know this, that the intention that God has for our lives is never to just sit there and just be satisfied and to just settle. We're never called to just say, okay, let's just write it out. Let's just hope things go well. We're called to take whatever faith there is and multiply it. And that's what Peter is saying in this passage. He wants us to take that and, and have it multiply because it can make a difference in other people's lives as well. And so that is uh, his multiplication comment. Now, let's take time to go through this passage because verses 3 to 11 are significant in terms of, of thinking about what we are to add. And you will, you will see this imagery of adding on to our life and blessing our life with more and with more and taking on more. Uh, you'll see this, this process. It's essentially a process of growth. It's a process of how Peter himself experienced moving from one place of not understanding to a deeper place of understanding. Verse three, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him. That first thing is that God gives us what we need. He gives us the knowledge. Your degrees that we celebrate this morning, I, I don't... I don't even know uh, how, how old I am, but I don't even know. Did they give you a certificate for middle school graduation? Certainly you're going to get a high school diploma and you'll have to decide if you're going to put it on your wall or put it in the drawer. That certificate says you completed it. But does the certificate actually bring you any kind of accomplishment or goal uh, does, it, does it somehow represent uh, a blessing and, and a, it may give you a ticket into some other opportunities, but the certificate itself does really nothing for us. It's not that we can't be proud of it or shouldn't frame it, put it on the wall, that's great, but let's recognize that there was an empowerment that enabled one to earn the certificate. That God's divine power is the one thing that we rely on to unleash this. Then he says uh, that uh, knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises. That through them they may participate in the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption of the world 
caused by evil desires. In other words, the promises of God and walking with God are the way in which we avoid evil and going back into to the brokenness of sin. People often will talk about how bad sin is. I'll tell you this, that the brokenness caused by sin is far greater in its impact for years to come. And the reason that we are called to overcome sin and temptations is so that we can overcome the brokenness that's with it. Now, what Peter says here is, for this very reason, because of this, make every effort to add to your faith. Verse 5. Faith is the key. It's the foundation that we need to build on. This means that the things that are on this list that are coming, that he's going to be listing off these things. And I would note that the MYF over this past year, the first uh, Wednesday of every month, uh, Doug or I, as we traded on and off, Pastor Doug, uh, we, would, we would do one theme of a, a Bible study on the fruits of the Spirit. This is essentially a parallel passage to the fruits of the Spirit. And, and let's, we need to understand it. When he talks about adding on, he's not talking about a sequence. Uh, we'll say a bit more about that. Um, but the, the point of this is that, that he is naming some things that are important, particularly for someone who wants to grow in their faith and grow in life. And so, um, and he, he says that make every effort to add to your faith. So faith is your foundation. Faith is the point at which you make that decision. You didn't have a decision about whether or not to go to school, I would guess, or to, or whether or not to, to and it doesn't matter whether you actually go to the school, obviously, this past year we know that. Um, but, but to engage in school and, and whether that's uh, online courses, whether that's homeschooling, whether that's tr traditional school in the classroom. In any case, I don't think anybody up here actually said, their parents said to them, you know, it's time for first grade. Do you want to go or not? I don't think any of you had that choice. You, you had to go. And um, faith, though, is not like that. Faith is the foundational decision to say, I am deciding to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's a clear decision. And let me just say that when you make that decision, it starts to clear up the confusion of life. It starts to actually make things more simple. Because now when I make this faith foundation decision, I start, everything else I do will be in light of the establishment of that faith decision. And then he goes on to say, uh, and to faith, add goodness. Now, what is goodness? That's a tougher one to define. Even non-Christians can do very good things, but that doesn't necessarily make them good. But whatever good things they do are still only because God enabled them to do them. This is referring to the acting on faith with good deeds and lifestyle. 
In other words, to add goodness is to say, if I have faith, I'm going to act on it. You know, not a, I don't think a single person here would say, oh, we just love it when someone says something to us and then does something different. And, and you know, they, whether they meant to or not, it's betraying or lying or whatever it is. We don't like that. Of course not. And so what he's saying, add to your faith goodness. In other words, goodness being I'm going to live out my faith. I'm going to make decisions that are in line with my faith. And when I don't, it's going to be more difficult. And add to goodness knowledge. When we were, when I was mentioning about that first verse, it's a gift of God. The knowledge of God is enabled. It's enabled by God. Uh, the more we know and accept and understand about God, the more we will be equipped to operate in all of these different attributes. Knowledge of God is something that helps direct us in all kinds of ways. And to knowledge, we're to add self-control. And he, Peter mentions self-control, I'm sure, because of, if there was any disciple that struggled with this particular one, he did. Couldn't control himself. He had outbursts. He, uh, he, he had answers for Jesus that weren't Jesus' answer. And he struggled with this particular one. Paul said that we're not in 1 Corinthians 6.12, that we are not to be mastered by anything. That's the problem when we don't have self-control. We become mastered by the things around us. And we end up being directed and acting on that. When it comes to sin, we need to have uh, no tolerance because we want to shed that off like the runner illustration. And we're to add self to self-control perseverance. Perseverance is the mindset that you often hear about in athletics. It can also be the mindset for, you wouldn't think of it this way, but the tenacity of the researchers who are able to find medications or are able to find an answer to, to all kinds of things. Uh, the, and, and it's also the pursuit of a of, of any kind of medical doctor or, or nurse when they're trying to determine what's wrong, you want someone who is just gonna, not going to say, well, could be this, could be that. I, I really don't know. You don't want to hear that from your doctor. You want to hear something definitive. You want, a, you want a doctor or somebody who's willing to say, I don't know, but we're going to find out. And I am not going to let this go till we figure out what's going on here. And you want people in our lives, you know, you, you want people who are going to say, well, you know, the, there's a series of commercials out, I think I referred to this late, recently, but, you know, where they have people that, that are, you know, showing us and they... they in one case, they're out on a boat, and the guy goes, hey, well, you know, good luck with the new boat, you know. And they're, they don't even know how to operate the thing, and they take off on a separate boat and go, see you back at the dock. Yeah, we, no, we don't want that. We want, we want clarity. We want expertise. We want direction. And so when we talk about perseverance, we don't have the mindset of whatever. We have the mindset of, I want to know. Let's be clear about it. And we work at it. And to perseverance, 
Uh, let me just say what James said in chapter 1, of verses 2 and 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces, this is, he uses this word, I love this word, steadfastness. It's another way of talking about perseverance. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in knowledge. And to per- perseverance, godliness. This is the holiness or the, or the, the desire to, to be honoring God in what you do and to be uh, modeling and, and living out the way of Jesus. Jesus said we need to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so to hunger and thirst for godliness, we pursue things in with a righteous goal and with a righteous impact. And to godliness, mutual affection. Now, it's interesting that Peter writes this because he probably had some conflicts with some of the other disciples. And he is reminding that there needs to be a brotherly kindness and affection. You can't love people with agape love if you haven't even had the ability or allow God to open your willingness to just even relate to. If you just shut somebody off, you can do that. And there are times that that's appropriate if they're not, if they're not being a good influence for you. You need to do that. But he's calling here to, to, to basically develop the ability to tolerate and to walk with and to be friends to and out of friendship comes a greater ability to love deeply. And then he says, and to mutual affection, love. Finally, we come to the pinnacle of all of these qualities. Love. God is love. And the goodness of Jesus was motivated by his love for the Father and his love for us. Paul's term here is the agape form of the word love. It's selfless, sacrificial concern for others. This makes sense as the culmination. So this series of things for you, all of you who are commencing from this room today and moving out and moving forward, all of us are not called to do this in sequence. We are called to add on to each one of them. Because if you strengthen one, you strengthen them all. And if you are failing or weak in one, you will be diminished in all. Notice what he says in verse 9, or in verse 8. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's not talking about adding these one at a time. He's talking about possessing and increasing each of these virtues because you need love in order to possess the others. And that love again goes back to beginning with faith. So this is a constant looping back and forth to each one of these qualities. Our prayer for the church, for each other, is that we'll continue to embrace these qualities in increasing measure, as Peter said. That's his call.
to continue to seek a growing faith. We need them all. They work together. We sometimes feel that we are just slipping in the mud, and sometimes we are. When we lose sight of God's word and the call of Christ to act out these qualities and to increase these qualities. If we don't use them, they atrophy. There was a story that came from a book called Folk Psalms of Faith by Ray Steadman. He tells the story of a woman who had been a high school teacher for 25 years. And when she heard about the job that would mean a promotion, she applied for the position. However, someone who had been teaching for only one year was hired instead. And she went to the principal and asked why. The principal responded, I'm sorry, but you haven't had 25 years of experience as you claim. You've had only one years of experience 25 times. Now, that is a painful description of a, of a life and it's an illustration for all of us in saying, if we settle in and are just fine with where things are, we're not going to feel great or be able to accomplish a whole lot because we'll just be going through the motions of faith, the motions of church, the motions of, of, of the Bible over and over and over again, 25 or many more times. We are called to grow in our faith. We're called to subtract the sins, accept the call, establish our faith, and add and increase and confirm our calling by action. I want to close with a story. This came from a sermon by Scott Mays entitled The Habits of Spiritual Growth. He invited a missionary, Mark Moses, to share briefly how the Lord changed his life. And I want you to listen to this story and see how you can relate to it because I know, I know some of you who have been through painful things will even be able to relate to it. On the summer day in 65, at the ripe age of eight, he says, I made a decision to put my faith in Jesus Christ and to give, control of my, give God control of my life. A dozen years later, as I muddled my way through college, there wasn't much evidence that God had control of my life. On the surface, I looked fine. I didn't cuss, smoke, or drink. My grades were good. I was a good boy. But my inner feelings were out of control. Embarrassed by physical defects, I felt inferior. Having an introverted personality, I felt socially awkward. Hurting from the heartbreak of broken relationships, I felt rejected. I believed in God, but my inner struggles showed that I wasn't depending on him at all. Yet in the midst of all my insecurities, there was a vital truth that I held on to like a drowning sailor hanging on to his life jacket. The truth was this. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. I didn't want to just believe this truth. I desperately needed to experience it. So as the calendar flipped to 1979, I made some big changes. He says, first, I quit my weekend job at the Star-Telegram that had kept me out of church for seven years. I began a weekday work job working at a tow truck company. Second, I committed myself to attend church's Sunday school. 
as well as both morning and evening worship services. I, I've noticed that many of you have not been at our evening Sunday church services lately, and, and I'm a little worried about that. Uh, for those that are visiting, we don't have Sunday evening uh, services. But uh, anyway, he, he attended both those. Third, I sought out friendship with mature guys who were serious in growing in their relationship with Christ. Fourth, I joined a discipleship group where we studied God's word, memorized scripture, and held each other accountable in our daily walk. Fifth, I attended week-long trainings, weekend retreats, other special opportunities to learn and grow and be motivated. Sixth, I discovered the joy of reading the quality Christian books and resources. In, in, short, in a short time, my inward struggles blossomed into a new reality. In Christ, I had all the acceptance, significance, and purpose that I was looking for. There's a familiar song, he says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And he said, that really happened to me as I turned my eyes on him. He said, while I committed myself to grow deeper, he took care of my life's direction. Long story short, he ended up going in getting called little by little into the mission field and uh, continues to work as a missionary across the, the, the world. This is to just simply say, I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what your challenges are, but I know this, that the God who sent his son Jesus to this earth, the God that loves us so much that he comes after us and wants us, so desperately to be in relationship with him. That God cares about where we are and what we're going through and has a purpose for every single one of us. So for you graduates, for all the rest of us as well, what is God's call in our life? How can we bless others each day? Paul said in Philippians 3, 13 to 14, brothers, I do not consider what I have made, that I have made it on my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what is lies behind, straining toward what lies ahead, I press on to the, toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So folks, keep doing your math. Keep subtracting the things that weigh you down or the sins that steer you off course. Keep adding to the spiritual disciplines and practices toward a deeper faith. And keep asking God to multiply his grace and peace through the knowledge of God and our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.